0: If
1: Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of the PowerSlam Podcast. Here, wherever you get your podcasts or on Patreon, a day early and without any ads. My name is
0: Kenny, joined as always by Finley Martin Finn. How are you doing today? Penny, I'm doing all right. Yes. I'm doing okay. Yes. Issue 42 of ITR Magazine arrived at the Martin Residence today with Cody Rhodes on the front. Have you received yours yet?
1: Yes, yes. We received ours today as well. So there you go a day before release the main release so it's always a perk if you're a subscriber or you're involved with the magazine which means you're also on the list so <laughs> um yeah no it's and, and i hope people
0: enjoy it it's a, it's a packed issue so i think people are gonna uh, have a lot to get through so yes yes definitely well i mean let's face it january was you know i mean apart from obviously june 2007 you know probably could be the Biggest month, maybe March 2001. I would say probably one of the top three most eventful months in all the time I've been covering wrestling last month. It was
1: mental, absolutely mental. We should mention before we start, you are fully veluxed.
0: Yes, the windows are in, so uh, people don't have to listen to me banging on about that anymore. Well, there'll be something new, it always is. But until then... um,
1: we are here now just a quick note there's not going to be a what's going down next week because i will be traveling during the trish tour and then i'm traveling back on the wednesday i don't get back to the evening so it just makes sense to you know on thursday we'll record a longer power slam podcast where we can kind of get into raw and smackdown get into the news and then business as usual from there so yes uh, but you know, if you if you are if you're a big fan of listening to us, then Patreon. There is stuff coming up all the time, or stuff. Uh, we've actually been a, a kind of happy accident that's happened, which will be helpful to us not being on, on Tuesday, because we our new bonus podcast covering the Iron Claw and the Kerry Von Eric Rick Flair match is up. But it turns out that the last bonus one that we did, which we where we covered the first episode of Raw, actually is still in drafts. It didn't go out. Wasn't it but- the first it- Nitro? No, we also, we also did the first raw. Remember? Oh yeah, that was that was ages ago. Was that ages ago? I thought that wasn't last. Was last month's was the because the nitro. I was checking this. The nitro one went out in December, at the end of December. Okay. So uh, they're, they're, well, there might be one that I've that I've not put out because I'm pretty sure there's one in drafts that is ready to go. But I'm going to double check what that is so I don't repost stuff. But there's there's plenty of stuff of us on Patreon anyway. Is the point? So of course. there's there's the no way out review with Sandra and others, There's the Kerry Von Eric Ric Flair and Iron Claw uh, episode. So there's loads up there. Go check that stuff
0: out. Uh, yeah, you know, we did a big review of the, of the movie, and it's like you know there just wasn't room for me to write about it in the magazine. I'm afraid, mm-hmm. and because it would have, I would just needed too many words to really express how much you know the things I liked about the movie. And there's a lot lot I liked about it, but there's also things about it that were frustrating to me.
1: Yeah, and,
0: and we, we, uh, we we went to. to... We went we into those
1: this? on the podcast. Uh, before we talk about RAW, which we're obviously going to talk about, uh, sad news today: uh, the passing of Virgil, who passed away today. Mike Jones, at sixty-one, uh, he passed away today. Um, but oh, he passed away. Yeah, he passed away today. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, he he ended up becoming kind of a comedy figure in the last yeah. few years because obviously he would kind of be doing his uh, his fuck money gimmick and his. Olive Garden, and he'd go to all these shows. He was kind of doing a similar gimmick to what the Iron Sheik was doing in recent years. But, I mean, the guy had a long career for someone who never
0: really got to be past a certain level. Yeah, I mean, he did. He did. I mean, he just had friends in the right places. I mean... It was you know it always amused me that he would bill himself as like undefeated at WrestleMania. I don't know why that amused me but it did. <laughs> and um I mean I when I first started watching wrestling he was Ted DiBiase's bodyguard and um you know he was you know a big part of that act wasn't he? And yeah. Ted DiBiase was the hottest heel in certainly in WWF and arguably in all of pro wrestling. In, like, 88. Um, so he was a big part of that act. He didn't really say much. I mean, inevitably, he was going to, he split from Dibiase, And, you know, I didn't really, in 91, when, because it was 91, when they had the match, wasn't it, and Roddy Piper was there, come on, Virgil, you know, and Piper was a big part of the success of the Virgil act, I feel, at yep. that point. Mm-hmm. And certainly Dibiase was as well, because he ended up putting Virgil over, didn't he? And I mean, people don't remember,
1: I mean, if you go back and watch, Virgil was over for a point. Like, if you go back and watch when he won the million dollar title of SummerSlam 91. Yeah. I mean, Kirk Gurgaon was going insane for him at that yeah. point. So, like, there was a brief period where he was really over after that DiBiase split. And you forget how early he was around. He was he was there in 88 with DiBiase. Yeah, and he was him through it in '91. He was involved in you know lots of big main events like that. That first SummerSlam, it was the Mega Powers and the Mega Bucks. He was involved in that. Yeah, and because the build was the build would have been about I, I can't remember when in '88 it was he he turned up with DiBiase, but it's got to be close to three years when they were together before the turn. Um, but people just yeah. bought into it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Maybe, actually, maybe he wasn't. Um... Maybe he wasn't around when I first started watching, but he was certainly, he showed up soon afterwards. And, um, you know, I thought he looked really mean. He didn't really say much, but that was the, um, he didn't need to, because DBS, he was a great promo guy. And um, yeah, he was a big part of that era when WWF was really at its peak in like 88, 89. And, um, you know, the split was really big. And I didn't really understand it at the time, but a lot of, His popularity was, of course, linked to how over DiBiase was and how amazing DiBiase was as a worker. You know, truly one of the greatest of all time. And um, he just worked so hard to make Virgil appear to be a star. And as I mentioned, Roddy Piper on commentary as well, I felt was a big part of the reason that that was a huge success, that storyline and that split. And, you know, him, you know, then, you know, having that match and, I always remember thinking, wow, you know, I don't really care about this guy. But now they're making me care. And that's how good these people are who are around him. And I thought he played his part well also. I mean, he wasn't a top worker, obviously. um, Nor was he particularly great on promos. But it was kind of the system making him a star and him actually going with it and, you know, making the best of what was presented to him. And um, I mean, he got the job obviously with the NWO. Um, I didn't realize when I first started watching WWF that he was called Virgil after Dusty Rhodes, Virgil Riley Reynolds. Dusty mm-hmm. Rhodes is his real name, so I didn't I didn't realize that at the time. And that was an inside joke. See if you weren't all fair with inside wrestling, which I wasn't when I first started watching in American wrestling in '88. How could I be? I didn't realize. Um, that he'd been named after, you know, the Booker Jim Crockett promotions. And then, of course, the, you know, the same thing happened when he became a member of the NWO. He was called Vince, wasn't he? After Vince McMahon. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he he's sort of weird, isn't he? He's got all these sort of claims to fame that are sort of almost dubious.
1: Yeah, he he does. And just to correct myself, he actually turned up in the summer of 87 summer with of 87? So he oh, would have been there when you were first watching it. And then um... Yeah, and I think I think obviously as time went on, he wasn't with DBO anymore. He he became less over, but yeah. they also stopped pushing him. You know, they, they, yes. by the time he got to SummerSlam '92, he was he wasn't a jobber yet, but he was kind of on the way out. He was putting over guys like Nails, and he was putting over Yokozuna, and yeah, he just it, it fizzled out. But he was I, I implore anybody who's not seen it: if you think Virgil was just a joke character, just go on the network and. Look at that SummerSlam '91 where he wins the title from DiBiase. It's a huge moment for him. So, yeah, um, yeah. Sad, sad, sad time. 61 is, is too young to go. But you know, yeah, a... yeah.
0: It is. It is far too young to go. 61. I mean, that's only seven years older than me. So, um...
1: yeah. I think he had quite. I think he had a couple of strokes in 2022, and he was back on dementia. So, I think he would had a lot, a lot of stuff that had happened. I mean.
0: That's that's young to be diagnosed with dementia, isn't it? Yeah, yeah.
1: You
0: know, my, well, um, I don't know whether to mention this on the book. My father's got it. It's not actually that bad yet, but it's getting worse. Mm-hmm. So that's you know something that you know I'm you know he's had it for about he was diagnosed in September 2022. So this is something that I'm obviously familiar with on a reg- on not a daily basis but nearly daily, and um, yeah, it's uh, but yeah to be diagnosed with that when you're in your late 50s. I know it does happen, obviously. Um, and that, you know, could have also been linked to to the bumps and things like that he took. You know, the head trauma. I mean, even yeah. though he wasn't, you know, a full-time wrestler, a lot of his career, he was not a full-time wrestler. He was a wrestler and obviously took a lot of bumps in his career. Yeah. Well, you know, again, it's it's sad,
1: but hopefully people, hopefully what comes out is he gets a little bit more recognition than he does because, I you mean, know, people
0: just kind of think of him as a joke, I think, sometimes. Um, yeah, I mean, he kind of sent himself up, though, didn't he? At the end, I mean, yeah. he did play on that, so I mean, that was part of the reason why the people treated him like that because he really that was that was something that he encouraged, didn't he? You know, yeah. he was sending himself up. There's no doubt
1: about that. Yeah, he he actually once sent me a DM on Twitter and he said, "Book me and let's make some money." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I, you know, this, but, but the thing is, like. The gag is funny, but, you know, when what I'm selling with people, I can't do that for 90 minutes. You know, it's not... It's just not possible, but... Um, yeah, anyway, let's move on to Raw from this past Monday, which was the fall, fallout from Elimination Chamber. We opened the show with Rhea Ripley and Becky Lynch having a segment because um, Dominic introduced Rhea and then Becky came out and they had this back and forth and Becky talks about how, you know the man's coming to fight every year at WrestleMania, she's going to beat her, and you know, she's the heart and soul of the company even though Ripley's the champion, and the man can do it, and then Ripley basically said, you know, don't ever disrespect Dom again, and said that, you know, I'm glad that you finally won something, but you know, you're the man, and as always, there's a behind uh, every man there's a great woman, but I'm not behind you, I'm straight in front of you, and You know, Ripley basically kind of delivers her mission statement, drops the mic, but then Nia Jax runs in from behind, takes out Becky, batters Becky, as Ripley and Dom kind of leave and laugh. But I thought thought as a first exchange with Ripley and Becky Lynch, this is pretty hot. I thought people were quite into it. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend.
0: Yeah, and we were talking, didn't we, on the Elimination Chamber review, and I was like, well, maybe we should have had Becky Lynch come out at the end there. And it's like, well, if they'd done that Elimination Chamber, then that would have diluted Rhea Ripley's moments. So they chose to do the confrontation here on Raw and from San Jose, which I think probably did make sense. And, yeah, Ripley said, "Welcome." I mean, Dominic Mysterio was hilarious on commentary. You know, Rhea very much back in the heel role in San Jose. (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, she weren't wasn't, of course, in Perth, in Australia. So Don Mysterio was there, and I mean, the heat he provoked was just unreal. And Pat McAfee was cackling, cackling Kenny on commentary. I mean, he just thought it was hilarious. Ripley said, "Welcome to Monday Night, Mammy." Uh, the line she said was, "Behind every great man is a greater woman." But this was big time, this segment, wasn't it? Big time. Yeah. It just felt like two main event stars who know their business, know their characters. All the dialogue was just like, you know, delivered perfectly. You know, no perfect. Everything was just sounded great. You know, the comments were just whoever wrote this. Hopefully they had a hand in the, um, you know, interaction, you know, the interplay. But it was spot on. The wording of everything was just spot on. They didn't yeah. say too much, nor should they have done, because this, of course, was their first proper confrontation, or at least their first confrontation since Elimination Chamber. And then Nia Jax Rock turned up. She uh, beat uh, Lynch down, and later um, we should mention that Becky Lynch then spoke to. Well, actually, we'll get to that later. Won't we? yeah, what we'll, we'll, we'll come
1: back. That. Yeah, we'll come back to that. But a really good opening segment. Uh, yeah. Then we had a match with Sami Zayn and Nakamura, and the whole idea here was that Sami Zayn needs a win to be in, in with a chance at WrestleMania. He does get a win here in about 15 minutes. Um, I, I, I can't lie to you and say that I was enthralled at Sami Zayn versus Nakamura for 15 minutes, but I get why they did it, and it was good for Sami Zayn to get a win.
0: Yeah, I mean, fans were really into it, and progressively, increasingly saw as the match, you know, work towards its finish, the crowd became more and more into it. So, I mean, it was a success with the live crowd. And with you, I mean, I didn't need to see those two wrestle for that long. I mean, I don't know what Nakamura's role is now. Um, Yeah, to me, you might as well just turn him face because I think you can do some good comedy stuff with him as a face. And as a heel, he's a spent force now. He's lost to Cody. He's just lost to Sami Zayn. We can't really take him seriously as a heel anymore, but as a face, I think there's some probably some mileage left in him. Um, so yeah, the action was really good, and Zayn got the win, which was you know integral to whatever story it is they're going to tell with him. We don't know what that story is yet. We think we know. I think he's going to turn heel, um, but we'll see about that.
1: Well, one of the things on the show was we did have uh, Gunther come out, and he was talking about you know how he'd. He'd beaten Jey and you know he he actually you know came close to the title slipping away from He said nobody's perfect, but I'm very close. And this kind of ties in with throughout the show. We had Sami Zayn talking about how he needs to become champ or he needs to be on WrestleMania, and we see a face off with him and Sammy backstage where he laughs in Sammy's face. We also had a segment where Chad Gable pleaded to Adam Pearce that he should be the man to face Gunther at WrestleMania because of. Gunther basically making his kids cry yeah. and said that, you know, this is bigger than a title. yeah. And then in this segment, Gunther was interrupted by the Judgment Day who were all kind of coming out and saying, and Damien Priest sort of says, you know, we're going to come after that IC title. And you would be initially kind of thinking, are they going to go with Priest and Gunther? But then Dominic Mysterio steps in front of Priest and sort of said, the title belongs to the Judgment Day. And then backstage he told Rhea Ripley that he is going to be the one, Dom, who wants to go for the IC title. So we're basically getting thrown a lot of, you know, things here in terms of Gunther. How
0: do you kind of break it down, and what do you think will be the, the match that we get? I I, I really don't know. I mean, it's, I don't think it's going to be Dominic Mysterio versus Gunther at WrestleMania. That'll be a TV match, one would assume. And uh, Gunther was slightly taken about that Dom stepped up to challenge him, as was Rhea Ripley backstage. Like. You know, are you sure about this, Dom? You know, Ripley really questioned the wisdom of Dominic's challenge to Gunter, and then backstage also we had uh, you know some interaction between Dominic and Andrade. Yes, you know, like they were like like oh, like almost like old pals, but Andrade's a face as far as we know, and obviously Dominic's a heel. So there's a lot going on here. I mean, Chad Gable, Chad Gable is, I guess a candidate to face gunter at wrestlemania but they need to strap that rocket to him and you know, and without further delay and just something big needs to happen next week if he's going to ch- challenge gunter at wrestlemania because chad's been like overlooked and not used to you know the best f- fullness of his potential we all know this um but i mean after gunter beat chad in that match where chad's misses and kids were there and Kids were crying. He did vow, you know, to make it right, didn't he? He was like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat you. You know, he he was making it clear that he wanted a rematch with yeah. Gunter. And there was a huge amount of support for Gable's challenge that night. And actually, whenever Gable's in the ring, even though people think, oh, you know, who's this guy? We haven't seen him wrestle for ages. You know, they're not doing much with him because he's so good and so likable. The crowd really get behind him, don't they? Doesn't matter yeah. where he is. So, I mean, he could, and it might seem like a stretch for Chad to be the one to dethrone Gunter. But, I mean, I think I think there'd be support for it and I think the match would would be amazing.
1: You've got to consider it, at least. I mean, I feel like we're heading towards a multi-man match of some kind. I feel like you, you almost want to keep it to a triple threat because the more that are in there, the harder it is to contain it. Because, you know, Gunter's a guy who's not... You're not putting Gunter in a ladder match. No. Because he can... A, you might want to keep him for money in the bank, or you might want to put him in that eventually. And also, he he's so good at all the other stuff. So I can't really... Maybe it's a triple threat with Sammy and Chad Gable. I mean, they're obviously putting Chad Gable in there as, as a potential, so it's possible that he might be one of the
0: the people. But, yeah, I'm just not sure. I can't really call it at the moment. Yeah, which yeah. I mean, Zay, if Zayn's in there and then Zayn doesn't win that could be his motivation for the heel turn, which I think is his destination. Because um, even, like, even if Sammy Dane was somehow to win, I actually don't
1: think that the... Or as much as people on the night would be a big fan of the, the the win, I don't think him as a babyface IC champ, based on how he is right now, would be that exciting. No. You know? I mean, he's, he, he's, he's cooled off so, so much in the last kind of eight months or so so I mean I'm coming around more and more to your heel idea, heel turn idea because you know then he could turn again down the line um, sure. and you know him, him, and, him and KO as a, as as heels I wouldn't be against because Owens is kind of in a, a similar predicament to to Zayn where he kind of yeah, yeah. Up, played out so
0: yeah and those two can do stuff with Cody if po- mm-hmm. Cody becomes champ as we suspect he will at Wrestlemania there's mileage in that in Zane and KO as his opponents. Um, so yeah, there's, there's you know, Drew McIntyre could even form like a faction with Drew on the team as well, maybe. Yeah, I, I mean, that probably would be yeah, really quite exciting, actually. Yeah, so plenty of uh, options. Yeah, I mean, KO and Zane could go for the tag belts again, maybe. There's a lot of options there with Zane and Owens and Drew McIntyre as like a trio. Um but, yeah, I think it's time for Gunter to lose the belt as well because once Cody becomes champ, assuming he's going to become champ at WrestleMania, then Gunter down the line is a top challenger to Cody, isn't he? Yeah. And
1: there's there's play. I mean, because sometimes we never – there's like a lead-up to WrestleMania and, yeah, Babyface is going to win the belt. Like, say when Seth Rollins won the belt from Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, there wasn't really any exciting challenges for Seth Rollins. I mean, he ended up in a feud with Baron Corbin, if you remember. So it it was not good, but this time it feels like for people like Cody, he wins the belt. There's so many options of what you could do, and it would be exciting options. There's not a Baron Corbin in sight, luckily. So, yeah, hurrah for that. But What about
0: Baron Corbin's renaissance
1: in NXT, Kenny? Well, listen, I'm happy for the guy, but keep your renaissance down there, pal. (laughs) Keep it down there. I'm not. I'm not ready. I still have the PTSD of the stomping grounds mixed tag with Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch against Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans. Oh dear. Yeah.
0: You remember that? Yeah. 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 yeah but, strange. Wasn't it weird that Seth and Becky Lynch just had no chemistry together on screen? Wasn't that weird? Which is crazy because I've
1: seen them. I mean, I, I've I've not had a chance to watch it yet. But you know that Hot Ones chicken wing show on YouTube? Like, it's just come out today that there's one with Seth and Becky. And I've seen them do a couple of videos together and they actually are quite sweet together as a couple, but none of that translated on screen in
0: 2019 when they died. It didn't. It was like, you know, it's like we there was it's just like it's like they didn't even know each other and didn't even want to work together. You know, it was just odd. Yeah, it was bizarre. Um
1: we then had a street fight with Imperium in the New Day, which we were told was two years in the making, which I can't is it two years that they've been on and off having these kind of matches. I know this
0: has been a weird decade, right? And time has stood still about when it comes to lots of things this decade. Uh Um, But, I mean, has it been two years? It's not been two years. It's just not been two years. (laughs) I mean, Gunter hasn't even been. Gunter and Kaiser haven't even been on the main roster for two years. Weren't they called up in, was it April 2022? I think it was.
1: Yes. Which, well, I mean, that would be two years. Yeah, but this, Vin- this Vin- Giovanni Vinci came later, didn't he? I think they're probably just using
0: Ludwig Kaiser. Because was Kaiser with them straight away? Yes, he was. They Kaiser came was. up together from NXT. But yeah, they came up after WrestleMania in 2022, didn't they? Yeah, so maybe they're just, maybe they're... Having a very tenuous link to get it
1: to two years, but
0: oh, artistic license. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just blatant. Ex- let's be honest; it was a blatant exaggeration. It was. It was. I thought that the teams worked hard here, though.
1: You know, they got eighteen minutes. They they did their best. I can't say that I was. You know, it's just I'm I'm the new day. I've said this before. I'm so over them as an act. Which is a shame because they're both very talented guys, and I like them both. But I just feel like they're just played out. You yeah, know, they're they're approaching Ziggler
0: levels, which is <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I would agree. I mean, I thought the match was was really well done. I mean, there was a, I thought the finish actually was tremendous. I watched the finish twice, and you know Kaiser scored the pin, and it was just like I thought the finish just came together brilliantly, and the cameras yeah. were all in the right place, and you know it was just yeah, just all pow, you know, and big win for Imperium. And you're right, yeah. What does New Day do now? I mean, they just feel like a, totally. Even though they're both still really good, and they've still got a connection with the audience as well, it's just for us. We've just seen them do everything. There's nothing left for them to do. Well, if you, you know, want it, if you want it, if you want to use
1: artistic license, we're go we're going on ten years of the New Day because they got together late 2014. I think it was. Wow. So. I think I'm just double checking that because they they were definitely on the pre-show at WrestleMania 31 in 2015. So they got their first vignette. Uh they made their debut as a new date on November twenty eighth, twenty fourteen. Wow. So over nine years ago.
0: Mmm.
1: I mean it's a hard it's it's hard enough, you know, if you're somebody like Randy Orton to stay relevant after how long he's been here, but you know, you need some help. You need some help from creative and some help to be featured and all that. And they were they were good in this match, but I think we need more story stuff.
0: I, more... I just feel like I mean they've been down to NXT, they had a tag reign there and dropped the belts. And I thought they were I thought they were really productive in NXT yep. when they just dropped in there and worked with some of the younger teams. So I thought I thought they but I mean they can't do that against 'cause they've already done that. I mean, I don't really know what's left for them as an act. And no. um I think it, I think it's probably time for him to to move on to Pasture's new Kenny.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Uh, and then elsewhere on Raw, we had the well, there's, there's some dross we don't really talk about. Uh, we had Drew McIntyre coming out for the top of our three, to, and he, he like sat in the CM Punk leg cross position. And then I did love that he looked at the camera and said, "Don't you be looking up my kilt, you pervert," to the cameraman? It's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he says he knows it hurts for CM Punk to not be in the chamber match at WrestleMania, but, you know, McIntyre actually did something for Punk. He said, I know that you're straight edge so I drank twice as much in the flight home just for you, which was just a great <laughs> line.
0: Yeah that, was um, yeah, that was hilarious. And, and he, you and, know, just talking before, Kenny, about how stuff, you know, set up, so many things are set up post-WrestleMania. I mean, this Drew McIntyre and CM Punk feud is going to be magic, yeah,
1: it's gonna it's going be, be so
0: tremendous good. in the late summer, early autumn.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be very good. So I think that the yeah, and and I think that by having it kind of in the background, where you're mentioning it now and then is is a good way to remind people. And then you know that kind of plays into the Rollins stuff when Rollins comes out because McIntyre's using CM Punk to get more heat, and the whole crux of this was McIntyre saying. Why are you trying to get involved with this bloodline stuff? You know what they've done to you and to me. And if you get involved, they're going to ruin our match at WrestleMania. And if and they might cost you the match, but then my victory is tainted. And Rollins says, that, you know, he's the architect and he has to try and take down the bloodline, it's bigger than both of them. He's got a plan, and he sort of said, you know, he's he's healthy. And he wants to rip apart the bloodline once and for all. But he does offer the handshake of may the best man win. Um, What did you make of their exchange here? Did this get you intrigued and excited about their title match at WrestleMania?
0: Yeah, yeah, it definitely did do. And uh, I mean, it's a different direction that they're going at this because this Drew McIntyre character, I think, is a true original. I mean, there is some hypocrisy there, of course, but he is a heel. So every heel has to be a hypocrite to some extent. And, um, I mean, it was really funny when he was sat in the ring mocking CM Punk and just mentioned the thing about drinking twice as much, you know, after his victory. And I bet Punk at home was watching and just cracking up at that and thinking, this is just, this is golden. This is just brilliant material for us to, you know, for me to work with when I finally do return. Um, and yeah, then Seth Rollins came out and, um, Rowling said that it was, you know, it was worth getting involved in the Bloodline business. It was the right thing to do morally. You know, some things, as you said, were bigger than him or bigger than them. And this was something that he just felt you know, an almost a moral obligation to involve himself in. And then Drew was being really self-serving. Oh, they might get involved in our match and that's going to taint my win. So he's already like you know, assuming that he's going to win. He's already in his mind, he's already won the match, and already won the title. So, you know, he's definitely the heel and he's seeking the booze. So he's saying all the right things here, you know, because the problem with this Drew character is that he needs to be slightly hypocritical. He needs to be really arrogant because if he's not careful, he could accidentally turn himself babyface, couldn't he?
1: Yeah, not hundred percent. I think he's got he's got to be careful. He's got to be really careful because it, in history we know when people when people get so good at their, their being a heel, we eventually people eventually want to cheer them. So you have got it's, yeah. it's a fine line to draw.
0: Definitely, and especially with the WrestleMania crowd being like, you know, the hard. I know it's going to be a lot of people there. It's not like they're you know playing in some little venue or anything. But it's the it's the hardcore fans, isn't it? It's the diehards, and there's there's gonna be support. For Drew, there's going to be a lot of people traveling there from the UK and Europe. So Drew really needs to ratchet up the heel, you know, the heel behavior. You know, he needs to make sure that we know he's the villain, he's the bad guy, and that morally, you know, he's maybe not repugnant, but certainly at least certainly questionable in his morals. Because it's a good job. I mean, Rollins is obviously popular as a face now, which is something that I never thought would happen. I always thought that he was a bit of a flop as a face and it always just felt quite forced. But finally, after all these years, Rollins has found himself as a baby face, hasn't he? And, and that is just, one, one once upon a time, that was inconceivable to me that he was ever going to get there, but he absolutely has. And he's very comfortable in this role. It's over the top, but we we're familiar with it now. We know it. We know who he is and what he does and what he's going to say. So, you know, he's in a good position right now in his career and he can certainly take the loss, you know, and he can take a clean loss as well if Drew wins clean. And hopefully he will, because that there, maybe they can just build the match around Rollins, his knee injury. You know, if Drew wins that one clean, then that's going to be even bigger for him, isn't it?
1: Yeah, exactly. So... Uh, but I mean, yeah, this was a good start again. Like, like Rhea Ripley and I mean, I guess it's different for this because they have they did face off at Crown Jewel. They're kind of already intertwined. But I thought this was a good jump-off point to the, the WrestleMania match. Uh, we then had Nia Jax against Liv Morgan. Obviously, Morgan had a really good show in the Elimination Chamber, so she was getting the match here. And I was I was hopeful that this wasn't going to be a loss for Morgan after the good showing. And luckily, Becky Lynch attacked Nia Jax to the finish, and you know she ended up. Uh, battering her her head off of the announce table hitting her from behind and then Nia sort of falls through the ropes and you know Liv Morgan's looking pretty upset at ringside because obviously she was in the match so there's some good stuff here to kind of add a layer and I'm guessing Nia Jax is going to be involved with Becky because we do still have five more Raws until WrestleMania after this show Yes, so there's time to fill
0: Yeah, Lynch um, asked Adam Pearce later on the programme for a match next week with Nia Jax and Adam Pearce greenlit that. So it's going to be Lynch versus Nia on next week's Raw. Yeah, I thought Liv Morgan and Nia Jax was well done. Um, Jax really did sell for Morgan here. More than I thought she was going to after her defeat to Rhea Ripley at Elimination Chamber. I did fear here that Liv Morgan would be annihilated, and she wasn't. As you said, it was DQ finish when Becky Lynch ran in and attacked Nia. So I think everyone was a winner here, Kenny. Um, You know, It's going to be interesting to see if Nia does another job on Raw next week. Do you think maybe Liv Morgan will be involved? Maybe, actually, somebody probably will be involved, and whoever's involved will be the person that Nia Jax will be wrestling at WrestleMania, I would think.
1: Yeah, and that, that, that's a good spot for, for them because I think they, I think that Nia does deserve a spot after the yeah. work that she's done. I think Liv deserves one as well. So, I mean, Nia Jax, she has improved so much in this run
0: compared to what she was before she left the last time. It's just yeah, she... I mean, there was no motivation there anymore, was there? No. I mean, she's got herself in better shape, clearly. She can still go. She's... You know, she wants it. You can see she wants to be there. I think towards the end of the last run, I think she just, you know, lost all enthusiasm and, you know, being in the tag matches. And it just felt like she was kind of lost, like she didn't, you know, she wasn't really focused. And I think the booking also wasn't very helpful at the time, whereas now it's a lot more, a lot more focused, isn't it? It just yes. feels like everyone knows where they're going there's yeah. more structure there's just much more structure and it just and it's and it's straightforward as well because i mean bookings are not supposed to be overly complicated when it gets overly complicated that's when it falls apart people are like well who's doing what and why why is this <laughs> happening and you know if you're starting asking too many questions i think as a booker you've kind of failed you yeah know? i would agree you ask questions about where this might go But you shouldn't be asking questions like, well, why is this happening again? What's what was the point of that? You know, those are not the questions that the audience should be asking. But, yeah, I enjoyed this. I thought it was really well done. And they weren't out there too long either. Um, And, you know, obviously, we talked as well uh, back in. It was the day one. uh, Raw, wasn't it? That uh, Jack scored the um, remarkably clean pin on Becky Lynch, actually, wasn't it? And that was a really good match.
1: Yeah, which which kind of leads into now what we're seeing now. So at least it was it was for a reason. Um yes. And then the main event of the show, we saw Cody Rhodes beat Grayson Waller after what happened on the Waller effect at Chamber. Not really much to say about the match, but more is more after the match is what's to talk about because Cody Rhodes was interrupted by Paul Heyman, and Cody Rhodes basically was not giving you the same Cody Rhodes that he gave Paul Heyman last year when they had a conversation around this time, and instead he said that he's hunting the Bloodline. And I thought that, again, this is a this is like a WrestleMania season segment. This is this is what you expect at this time of year. I think.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I mean, Cody Rhodes versus Grayson Waller. I mean, that was okay. Um, Cody won after the Cody Cutter and the Crossroads. Should just mention actually, there was an earlier interview with Grayson Waller backstage with Kathy Kelly, and he actually put her off, and she you could tell she was really upset. He put her off and she was tripping over her words. And uh, I was just like, Grayson, you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> and she, she was really miffed at the end of that interview. Um, yeah. So, I mean, Rhodes and Waller, it was okay. I mean, it was a big test for Waller and I thought he did all right here. But as you said, the important thing was the post-match angle. They'd said on commentary that Paul Heyman was in the building. You know, it was well known that he was there. And then they were speculating, Pat McAfee and Michael Cole were speculating, which of the members of the bloodline are there. And Heyman said that he was the only member of the bloodline there. It was not a bloodline set up. Uh, Heyman said that he was there with um, was there with three three uh, men who he said were suspended members of the New York Police Department. It wasn't NYPD, he said, right?
1: Did he? I I, I didn't clock what when he said.
0: I'm, um, I'm, that can't be right because we're in San Jose. I must just be making that up. But he said there were suspending members of the police force, which was a yes. bit. Odd. And then, um, you know, Heyman then pleaded with Cody to withdraw his challenge to the Rock, uh, or else. And then Cody said, "Or else what?" And uh, Cody said he was through being a nice guy. Heyman was going to enter the ring and Rod said, no, do not enter that ring. You know, and then the three guys got in the ring and he, Cody had the chair. Cody said, if anyone takes another step towards me, I'm going to take you out. Then he beat down all the guys, really hammered them with chairs. Heyman uh, retreated. He's now got two phones, so he's calling The Rock and calling Roman Reigns at the same time. That's a nice touch. Yeah, and that the line was, the bloodline isn't hunting me, I'm hunting the bloodline. So, uh, presumably Cody will be on Smackdown this Friday, Kenny, to yes, have I some sort of so. interaction with The Rock who's going to be there.
1: Yeah, I would imagine that's what we're going to see. So, a good hook again for what's coming up. So, I thought Raw, Raw, had, a lot, Raw had a lot going on, and yeah, I, th- I think they delivered on pretty much all the big stuff they wanted to do.
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, there was some short matches, which, you know, aren't really worthy of a mention. Um, but I think all the all the big stuff, I think, delivered and advanced the relevant storylines. Well, that is all the time we've got for today. Uh, we hope that you have enjoyed the
1: podcast. We'll be doing an overrun on the next issue of PowerSlam magazines, so you can get that on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash ropes. And as always, Inside the magazines magazines, where you can... .com is where you can pick up the mag. magazine.com is where you can pick up the yearbook from 1994. That's all the plugs. So yeah, Finn, I'm very glad that you're veluxed and you can start to
0: relax. Yeah, well, thank In you. Theory. In theory. Yeah, thank you. It doesn't feel like I've got any work done this week. I don't know why, but anyway, it doesn't feel like I have. So I'm going to... Crack on with my Elimination Chamber review tomorrow. And then we will be back uh, next
1: Thursday uh, on the main feed with Power uh, Longer episodes. So, yeah, we hope that you'll join us then, and we'll talk to you soon, everybody. If I
0: be tonight, if I'm sad tonight.